0: Today on Better News Radio with Pastor Ricky Alcantan. There is a cultural
1: push in our society that you and your identity are wrapped up in being a consumer. And what happens is when you bring that mindset into the church, it begins to, I think, subtly over time, it starts out probably as a good thing. Let's serve this group. Let's let's find out what they need and do that. But then over time, it can become the church is just a place, a non-profit that provides services for people.
0: Hope God, oh my
1: soul. He is strong and he is strong to save. Hope God, he's a rock you in your hiding place.
0: He's a mighty fortress. Do you know what your identity is? Many find their identity in their job, marital status, or what defines their personality. However, God desires you to find your identity completely in Christ. Being a Christian should be what dominates all aspects of your life. And when you genuinely believe your identity is in Christ, it shows by your godly lifestyle. When you're not firm in your identity in Christ, you may begin to believe what the world and the devil says about you. Let's join Pastor Ricky in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 with part 1 of our message entitled Built in Christ.
1: I want to read something that I found a few months ago and kind of filed away. And it was an article somebody had written on CNN.com that kind of went viral. And it was called, the title of it is Why Millennials Are Leaving the Church. Okay, so it's an article from an author who's a Christian um, and she was speculating about why people, uh, millennials are sort of um, what comes after Generation X. So if you're an Xer, rocker, um, what was big in Generation X, Raoul? I don't know. What was a band? Metallica? Okay. If you're a Metallica kid, grew up with that. Um, the generation after that. So what did we grow up with? The Backstreet Boys? Is that what we had? That is really sad. That's a bad sign. Okay. That's how we started. Okay, so millennials, uh, she was kind of at the, the upper register of being a millennial herself. And so she's writing, okay all of these things about why millennials don't go to church, because statistically, uh, we're one of the most unchurched generations. I'm a millennial. One of the most unchurched generations um, in America's history, in other sense that we've never been to church. We have no desire to go to a church. If somebody invited us to church, we'd really have no interest in doing that. And so why is that? And, and not only that, but many of the people that are, that are outside the church now are not really unchurched, but de-churched, that they used to go to the church, but now they intentionally don't go to church anymore. So, so why is that? Well, she speculates. She has a number of reasons. She, she talks about um, how things are, you know, fake, and and, and, uh, and millennials are good at telling if somebody's trying to put on a show for them, and they're, they're, they're growing up with marketing and advertising so they're not easily deceived, and they want real community and, and not fake community, and you know, all these different things. And so she ends, though, her article this way. She says, this is the last thing. She says, I would encourage church leaders eager to win millennials back to sit down and really talk with them about what they're looking for and what they would like to contribute to a faith community. So you get to the end of this article, and and some of the stuff connected with me, some of the stuff didn't, some of the stuff I totally disagreed with, but I get to this last sentence, and and, and I imagine, okay, that the, the folks that are going to read this are going to probably say, millennials are probably going to say, yeah, like I would love to show up to a church. And you see this in all the comments. I'd love to show up to a church and have a, have a church leader sit down and be like, what, what do you want in a church? What, what, what do you want to get out of a church or a meeting or a faith community? And I'm imagining pastors reading this thinking, okay, Maybe I need to do that. Maybe I need to go find somebody that's de church and sit down and ask them what they're looking for in a faith community. Now, here's the thing about this. I don't think it's wrong for pastors to sit down with folks and find out why they stopped coming to church, why they they don't go anymore, what what their difficulties were, and to work through that with that, that person. I think that's great. But but I think there's this, this reflects kind of a subtle orientation that I, that I wonder if it is really helpful for my generation is per, in particular. Now, this is kind of a nuanced way to do this, but, but a lot more millennials are just a little bit more blatant. And, and here's the thing. Her perspective is that millennials are not getting what they want from the church, okay? So the solution to that is for the church to stop and ask, what do you want from us? Okay? So this is my concern with this. I think subtly or not so subtly, we as American Christians have drifted into a shopping culture Christianity. So, so here, here's, here's my concern. Here's why I would push back a little bit on this article is this, if, if your orientation is that the church exists to ask every age segment, because this could happen in every age segment. We could be asking Generation Xers, what do you want from the church? We could be asking uh, retirees, what do you want from the church? And in many ways, it's not. Those conversations aren't bad. You probably identify some good needs, find some ways to care. But if your whole orientation in building a church or coming to a church is driven by, okay, this consumer kind of mindset, then I think you're gonna get skewed. On, on, uh, on Friday, I'm one of the people that runs a church, church Facebook page. On Friday, we got a notice. I got a notice through Facebook that, that let me know that Saturday is Small Business Saturday and encouraged us to advertise a product or a service via our church Facebook. Now, of course, it's just an algorithm. They just send it to everybody. They have no idea. But I thought, you know what? That is really telling, isn't it? That we, as Americans, default to... Products and services and exchanges, don't we? And here's my concern that I think Ephesians chapter 4 addresses. My concern is that when we think that way out there, we bring that mindset in here, and and church becomes, in essence, a shopping transaction. That the church provides services and we receive services, and if the consumer's wants and needs change, then then the, the church's services have to change. Now, Again, I'm not saying it's wrong to to have ministry targeted to specific groups. What I'm talking about is a mindset that I think has run rampant in our culture. And here's the best example of this that I could find. A few weeks ago, the biggest shopping holiday in the world happened and it wasn't Black Friday and it wasn't Cyber Monday. On this day, 5.75 billion dollars of product moved online, okay? This is two and a half times what's projected for Monday's Cyber Monday. And it happened in China, and it was an event that the Chinese called Singles Day. And this is what Singles Day is, if I'm not butchering this. This is from a New York Times and CNN pieces that I read. On Singles Day, if you are single, it is a cultural okay to buy yourself a gift. Okay, so so it's like a holiday where you, it's like Black Friday, but instead of feeling guilty for buying yourself a gift, like you kind of slip one in there with all of your parents' and family's gift and stuff like that, which, you know, it happens. Um, On Singles Day, it's just like culturally, like thumbs up, Everybody gets up, gets on their computer, looks at deals, and buys something awesome for themselves, right? I am just like, really? This is like a thing? At first, I thought this was like a fake news story, and then I started researching it. And this is this is huge. Now, I thought, well, at least Americans don't have, you know, singles day. That's crazy. We, you know, I have a day where you buy yourself things just to make yourself feel better. And then I realized... Oh, Americans do have a day called Singles Day, except we just call it every day, (laughs) right? (laughs) We don't need a special day. It's just like, it's Tuesday. I'm gonna buy that thing, right? (laughs) See, what, what I'm trying to get at is that there is a cultural push in our society that you and your identity are wrapped up in being a consumer. And what happens is when you bring that Mindset into the church, it begins to, I think, subtly over time, it starts out probably as a good thing. Let's serve this group, let's let's find out what they need and do that. But then over time, it can become the church is just a place, a nonprofit that provides services for people. And here's the thing: here's the main concern I have. If we as Christians are more concerned about what Christian consumers want from the church than what Jesus wants from the church, I think we've gone askew. So what we're gonna do this morning is we're gonna look honestly and openly and radically at what Jesus says the church is to be in Ephesians chapter four. So would you read with me? Ephesians chapter four, beginning in verse one. I therefore And in saying he descended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth. He who descended is the one who ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for... the who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow, so that it builds itself up in love. This is God's word. This half of Ephesians is all in light of the first half of Ephesians. So Ephesians 1 through 3 are gospel truth, what God has done through Jesus Christ. And chapters 4 through 6 are what we do or what we're called to do in light of that gospel truth. And so the format is sort of you are this in, Ephesians, in chapters 1 through 3. So be this in chapters 4 through 6. And so that format's going to continue. And here's the big idea this morning. You are or we are built together to build together. We are built together in order to build together. So we're gonna look at the truth and then look at the action it calls us to. And here's the truth. In Christ, we are together. And Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 4, verses one through five, where he urges us to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And this calling refers back to Ephesians chapters 1 through 3. Now, here, here's, here's what I want you to get. One of the first kind of corrections that, we, that, that this passage gives kind of a consumer mindset that we can drift into is this, that we, we're not sh- sort of shoppers that are just at neutral, kind of looking and checking out different religions and different faiths and kind of saying, oh, this is good. I like the family focus of, of this kind of religion, but this kind of spiritual aspect and the long walks in the woods, I kind of dig with that. And this one comes with sweet shoes and candles and, and things. And so, so I'm just kind of, kind of evaluate which one of these is going to meet the spiritual kind of part of my life. But Ephesians chapters one through three lays out a totally different picture. Ephesians two says that we were dead in our trespasses and sins. So we weren't just sort of kind of shopping around, we were dead. We were penniless. We were bankrupt. We had committed sin, committed treason against God Himself, and were therefore under the wrath of God, which was the just punishment for our sins. And so, we're not shoppers just looking for a bargain. We're dead men, penniless men, bankrupt people, without hope and without God in the world, is what Ephesians two says. But Ephesians one says this about us, Christian He. Chose us, chapter one, verse three says, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. This verse says that, look, nothing in us was attractive. We didn't love God first, and then God respond with love to us. No, in love, he called us to himself. He, he set his love on us and then he drew us to himself. He loved us first. And see that's where Ephesians starts. That's why our mindset is radically shifted. We're not sort of at neutral and and just okay, well what's going to work here? What's going to work there? No. We're we're dead and God calls us to himself. And so Paul says, in light of the fact that you were dead and then have been called to new life and called to the son of God, you're to live differently. That's the starting point for this passage. And really, guys, let's be honest. This good news about Jesus is the only product we have as a church. We don't have we don't have a lot to advertise. I mean it's just it's true. Like churches aren't the coolest. You try to be the coolest, it never works. We're just not that cool. We're never going to be as cool as a sweet IMAX movie. I mean, I could get awesome motion projection technology. I could have a hologram of Charles Spurgeon and and you know, I don't know, Jonathan Edwards up here with me preaching and clapping and it would still be weird and sort of lame, right? Churches aren't going to win people with coolness. We don't have that product. We, we can't manufacture stuff as good as other things. Look, if, if, if somebody says, look, I, I'm really interested in, in partying all the time and I love that buzz that, that you get from just drinking too much and being absolutely wild. Do you guys have anything like that? No, we don't. Okay, But here's what we do have. We do have the good news of Jesus Christ that matters far more than getting wasted and having a good time. And that matters far more than the latest motion projection technology and IMAX experience. We have something, church, that never goes out of style and never gets sold and never breaks down and never gets improved upon. And it's absolutely free. And it has the potential to change your eternal destiny, bringing you from death to life. That's what we have. So on first glance, from a shopping perspective, it seems pretty lame. But from an eternal perspective, it's the most valuable thing in the universe. And so that's where Paul starts. He says, you you walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Remember that you were dead and that have been called to life but but where where have we been called to what what have we been called to we've called from death to what well we're called together ephesians chapter 2 So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. So here's what I want you to get. The image in scripture of what we're called to is a corporate image see that the, we, we, I think as Americans, I, me, I'm included, I like being independent, right? I like God called me, and we're good at that a lot of times. God called me and I feel loved and special, and He's called me to this wonderful relationship with himself. That's true, and that's awesome, but it doesn't end there. We're also called together. So so we're we're not just brought near by the blood of Christ, we're we're reconciled with one another in one body and are now fellow citizens and members of God's family. So we're not just called in general, we're called specifically together. Now, think about it like this. I don't know if you have a big extended family, but we have a huge extended family. Family And when we get together, um, something inevitably, because we have, I have so many cousins and people that almost every year somebody has a new uh, boyfriend or girlfriend or new fiance or somebody just got married. So often there'll be somebody new at the big family gathering. Well, for better or for worse, when somebody marries somebody in the family, they, they're, they're together, right? They are a new couple. They're a new family unit, but they're also brought into this huge extended family. And, and you feel it if for some reason there's like tension there and that person's kind of, oh man, that we don't really like Frank. Don't bring him around. You know, I really wish he hadn't married Frank. He's such an annoying guy. You know, like you guys have these conversations in your family. I don't know if you do. Maybe it's just, maybe it's just our family. So, um, or like, oh, I'm glad she broke up with that guy. I didn't like that guy. um, what happens is when somebody joins the family, they're part of not just that family unit, but a broader family. So here, and there's nothing you can do. You can't say, well, I'm sorry. I don't like your family. Well, I'm sorry, but I'm related to them. You know, there's, you can't, you can change your name. You cannot see them anymore, but you still are part of a family. And in a similar way, we have no choice when we're saved, that we can like pick Jesus, but not his family. And a lot of people, I think, a lot of Christians today, would rather just pick Jesus and not get the family. Oh Jesus, you're awesome, but your family, man, it's just, it's weird. And yet, Jesus died to bring us into the family. He's reconciled us both to God in one body, fellow citizens, fellow members of the household of God. We are together in Christ. And notice that this isn't, okay, this is not Paul telling the church, you need to create some unity. He says, no, you are in unity because of what Jesus has done. Later on, he says that you should be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, but he doesn't say, come up with the unity. He says, maintain it, which the implication is that it's already created. The implication, church, here is that there is not the church and then different groups in the church. And we're in the middle of an, an amazing and I think wonderful transition in many ways here at our church um, where we've got longtime members of the church and new people from, uh, that have joined the last few years. We've, we've got people that are military folks. We've got people from right here around the church building in central El Paso. We've got folks that grew up south of the freeway, folks that grew up north of the freeway. And many times what can start to happen is you start to think of your group as the church, as sort of the real church, and then the rest of the church as though that's the other part of the church. And subtly there can be this us and then them. We do this, well, I don't know if they're gonna go for it. But this is what this passage says, church. There, there are no, in our church, there are no old church and new church people. It's not the way God sees the body. There are no regular El Paso people and then military people. There are no Mexican-American people and then American-Mexican people. There are no Hispanic people and then Anglo people and then African-American people and then whatever else people that God looks down and he sees the church as this segmented thing. It says that Jesus has torn in his own body down the dividing wall of hostility that separated us.
0: Hope in God, oh my soul. By grace, you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. These verses from Ephesians speak to who we are in Jesus and how we became one of His. Pastor Ricky will be taking us through the book of Ephesians, seeking the answer to the question. Who am I? For more information, email us at radio at betternewsradio.com. Sometimes it is just easier to call. Our phone number is 915-562-7100. We'll be happy to help you. Again, that number to call is 915-562-7100. You can learn more about Better News Radio, Cross of Grace Church, and Pastor Ricky at our website, betternewsradio.com. All of Pastor Ricky's messages through the Bible are available to listen to or download for free at betternewsradio.com. You'll also find contact information, driving directions to the church, and details about activities and upcoming events on our website. We also encourage you to follow the Cross of Grace Twitter feed at Cross of Grace EP, where Ricky tweets additional thoughts about the messages you hear on Better News Radio. Or connect with us on Facebook at Cross of Grace EP. Well, that's all the time we have for today. From all of the production team here at Better News Radio, we want to say thank you for tuning in and please make plans to join us again for the next edition of Better News Radio.